welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. Today is Monday, October 31st. Many know this as All Hallows' Eve or Halloween, but especially for Protestants, this day is another significant holiday. It is the Reformation Day. This is when Martin Luther, the infamous monk, nailed 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church, where he was disputing the doctrine of the Catholic Church, specifically the abuses brought about by the Pope and by the rest of the clergy that had started selling indulgences for the gateway to heaven, or at least time off from purgatory. And Luther loved the Psalms. In fact, being a professor, he taught through the Psalms many times, and he observed all of the different beauty that was there to behold in the midst of every Psalm, including this one. Psalm 6 is one of the penitential Psalms. This would include the 6th, the 32nd, the 38th, the 51st, the 102nd, the 130th, and the 143rd Psalm are all penitential. Well, what is David penitent for? We don't know specifically of this psalm, but we do know he was under distress or duress, and Martin Luther knew something of this, not only for the persecution that he would face at the hands of Rome, but also just this inward guilt that he wrestled with for so long before coming to the gospel of Christ. He wrestled with what was called Anfektenschung, and this would be a difficulty of heart and mind, a troubling, a problem that was at war in his heart, and he did not find rest from it until he was able to lay hold of the good news that God has mercy upon the troubled heart. Psalm 6. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, according to the Shemineth, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. David here reminds us of the bruised reed that God will not break in Isaiah 42 verse 3. In fact, Puritan Richard Sibbs keyed in on this phrase to remind us that when we come to the moment of brokenness in our lives, God is not going to abandon us, nor is he going to condemn us forever if we are penitent. And David comes to this moment and reminds himself of that character of God, that steadfast love, the chesed, takes center stage in the midst of this psalm. Now, he's not saying that God will never rebuke or discipline his people, but he asks for the Lord to not do it in his anger or in his wrath, 
Hebrews 12, 4 through 11 makes it clear that God does discipline his people. The same goes for Proverbs 3, 12. But instead, David is praying for mercy and grace in the midst of this distress. What we realize from this psalm is that God will hear us in the midst of our distress and in the midst of our troubled souls provides rest. And if we think about the person and work of Jesus Christ, he himself had this struggle, this question of, if possible, Lord, take this cup away. How long will it be till your deliverance is shown? David asks for the Lord to deliver his life, to save him for the sake of his steadfast love. And then David brings up that in death there's no remembrance of you. Please spare me for my purpose is what David is asking. Such suppose this petition for the Lord to not rebuke in his anger to be, as W.S. Plummer observes, the same in substance as that of the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. He says, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. The same idea is expressed in Jeremiah, where he says, I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure, yet I will not leave thee wholly unpunished. Luther then observes, that this he regards not, nay, he will not readily suffer, that he be punished and chastened, but he begs that it be done in mercy and goodness, not in anger and fury. Therefore, the prophet teaches us here that there are two rods of God, one of mercy and goodness, another of anger and fury. This is where we ask God to please be merciful to us, and only in the cross of Jesus Christ is that mercy totally satisfied, where he is able to give us that gracious correction. So he here also reminds us that it's okay, David does, for God's people to weep, to grieve, to lament. He says, I'm weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. There is a frequent lie perpetuated even in Christian circles that Christians will not experience sorrow in their lives. And if they do, then it must be their fault. But the Psalms give voice to our sorrows and words to our weeping. David grieves, but not without hope. Notice after he has wept, after he has sorrowed over the darkness and the trouble in his life, he remembers God's loving kindness. We have also here that we should reflect on the deliverance that the Lord is going to provide because, again, of that steadfast love. Luther paraphrased verse 4 by saying, Not for mine own services, which indeed are nothing, as is sufficiently and more than sufficiently proved by this terror at thy anger and my trembling bones and the sadness of my heart and soul. Therefore, help me for thy mercy's sake, that thine honor and the glory of thy compassion be forever connected with my deliverance. David grieves, but again, not without hope, because the Lord hears. You have heard me, the psalmist says. Sometimes the moment, though, is long. But God will always preserve those who are his. This is his assurance. This is his promise that the enemies of the righteous shall be ashamed and greatly troubled and shall be turned back. But how long is that moment? Only God knows. And that's a good thing. It is not up to us to deal out the judgment, but it is ours to receive the mercy if we are repentant. What was meant for us has now been forgiven. That is the incredible message of the gospel, that you and I deserve this judgment of the wicked. But instead of offering that judgment, 
God instead hears the sound of our weeping. How incredible is that? And may that cause us to worship and to praise the God who is righteous and just and saves us for the sake of his steadfast love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your hearing of our prayers. Lord, that you do not rebuke us in anger or discipline us in the wrath that we deserve, but you have given us your Son who took our wrath, who took our shame, and bore the punishment upon the cross. Lord, we ask that you would turn and deliver our lives, that in death there's no remembrance of you, Lord, so keep us continually praising your name while you give us breath. Let us use it for your glory, for your kingdom. Father, help us to be honest about times where we do weep, where we do mourn over darkness, over our own sin, over the problems and fears that creep into our lives and cause us to doubt. Lord, remind us that you have heard the sound of our weeping, that you have heard our cries, that you have heard our pleas, and that you accept our prayers. May you continue to be glorified in our lives, and may you be the focus of all that we do, and that we would know that you will always preserve those who are yours. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Called to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.